All right, welcome back to But Why Should I Care with myself, Ellie Huff. And Deanna Huff. And today we're going to be discussing something that is one of my favorite topics. If I had to talk about one topic for the rest of my life, I would choose this topic. So now that you're on the edge of your seat, we're going to be talking about beauty and art. And if you've talked to me for more than five minutes, I've probably asked you, what is art to you? What do you think about beauty? How does that play a role in your life? Because it's played such a pivotal role in mine. So if you're my friends, sorry, I'm talking about it again. If you're new here, (laughs) sit back. This one's kind of fun. Okay, so let's talk about beauty in the Bible. Yeah, in the Bible, you see all kinds of things. Now, one thing we want to talk about first maybe is the distinction of nature's beauty yeah i knew you were gonna say that i forgot about that yeah no yeah okay so we were discussing this and you know before we started and i guess to break the fourth wall just now but (laughs) we were discussing art as in like the mediums the forms of art such as paintings and visual art or music but all these different things sculptures pottery and then we started talking about nature and how that also brings this type of aesthetic satisfaction or aesthetic appeal it has this aesthetic appeal and we were discussing how those are kind of a a different and important distinction to make that is you know creation is this general revelation that god has uh, created in order to you know show his glory and show his his organization his ability to design so this is all a testament to you know his nature right through and crea- it, the creation yeah right? absolutely because it points back to yeah the perfection the beauty mm-hmm. of who he is intrinsically right so there is great beauty there's this sublime within you know different you know experiences that we have with with nature but it's it's different than what we experience with art pieces in my opinion absolutely like for example when i see something that my son has designed (laughs) and i think wow he created that now he is created in the image of god right and he creates because of that but when i look at that piece it reminds me this Mm -hmm. this reflection it reminds me oh my love's for my son and mm-hmm. all of those kinds of things, but it also does something more. And right. that's what we're gonna talk about, right? Exactly, so just the distinction being made there, man-made, beautiful things, art, creation, nature, God created, general revelation, but we're focusing mainly on the art, as in visual mediums, if you will. Yeah, but like music, poetry, I, yeah. music, books, movies, literature, cinema. All this- Uh, Absolutely. The creation that mankind does because we are made in In God's God's image. image. But what does that do? What does that do in our society? And what does that do to communities? And where does it begin? Yeah. What does it point to? Right? This is a big conversation. uh, This is, there's so much content here. So in order to focus us after the disclaimer, now let's talk about the Bible, right? Yeah. So one of the things that we see in God's Word is is the idea of beauty, right? Mm-hmm. And we see that in all kinds of different passages. I mean, if you look at Psalm 52, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty God has shown forth. And you're going to continue to see this idea of beauty. Why? What is it about beauty that draws us in? And I think mm-hmm. the idea there is that it can 
draw us to thinking about God. Right. Thinking about what is good. Yes. Thinking about what is transcendent. True. Yeah. And I think that that's the most important thing to to note here is this understanding of, you know, you have this almost intuitive sense. Like you have this um, this sense of satisfaction when you look at something that you find pleasing or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at um, the creation of man by Michelangelo. Is it Michelangelo? Michelangelo, right? Sistine Chapel. <laughs> Fact check me. So creation of man, I mean, it's this beautiful painting across this chapel and it pictures God and Adam, you know, like touching fingers, right? And it's this idea that is you know, put into the mind of the individual of this beautiful moment where God created man, okay? So we're being brought into what was once just like a story with this now visual understanding of what what could have taken place in the beginning. And we get a sense when we look at the chapel that there is this, this sense of beauty. There's this sense of goodness. There's this sense of truth even being exposed where we get this feeling and it's it's almost more affiliated with like our bodily senses you know because you're like moved but you're also having this simultaneous like mind and soul experience i guess right so it's this beautiful joining of like the body and the soul to experience something where the body is sort of presented with some type of physical something and the the mind responds so this is like this engaging with art experience that shows both our human and spirit uh, aspects of our humanity right it's what albert william levi discusses in his his piece regarding this art experience where he kind of talks about like firstness secondness and thirdness which is holistically what he decides is like the aesthetic experience so this firstness is this feeling of 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 what you get once you're presented with the art piece the secondness is uh and he says he's in sort of like these kind of weird like ambiguous terms because you almost can't make these distinctions it's almost like reason is is making an effort to break down what this uh, spiritual experiences, right? Yes, it's like it's happening simultaneously. Yes, right, exactly. When you're encountering the art, mm-hmm. and when you encounter the art, something is happening, right? And then something is happening in the brain, and then mm-hmm. something is happening in the emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that kind of would all be like this firstness experience. So that's when you are the the qualitative stuff is making its way to your mind then the secondness is he calls it the activity so it's when you you know you sort of engage and you ponder and you look and you think and then this thirdness is when you derive meaning so the reason that art is so special is because it has this ability to without words sometimes and if it's poetry or lyrics with the exactly right words to be able to understand something that you may have not understood otherwise and that's kind of how i feel about it having like listened to music and looked at paintings and then feel like wow i really took something away that i didn't understand before exactly and when you're a young kid and your teacher says hey we're all going to the museum Mm -hmm. everybody goes from spot to spot to spot Mm -hmm. really quickly yeah 
and they don't really take in. And I think part of that lack of engagement is because the minds are not fully developed and to experience what is really taking place there. Mm -hmm. So I think when we get older and then we begin to have this appreciation for art and this ability to see, wait a second, this is actually a reflection of something bigger here. And I think that's what we're communicating. Is that understanding the transcendentals through a different pathway, almost. You know, you understand like the good through your moral dilemmas and deliberating Mm -hmm. those. You understand truth through understanding, you know, our reality and the scriptures. And you can understand beauty through this like pathway of art, right? And you can also experience it through nature. But again, we're focusing on that. And there has to be a perfection of beauty that you're trying to get to. This really reminds me of David and Saul. Yes. Because when Saul, every time he experiences something excruciating, right? Mm -hmm. He's going through some depressive episodes. He's downcast. He's saddened. What does he do? He calls David in to play the harp. And what does that harp do? It soothes the soul, right? Exactly. I mean, this is an aspect of of art as well. Yes. You're engaging the music. It's resonating in your soul. And this is why when I think about the Bible and I look at the Old Testament and I say, wow, okay, like 7% of the Old Testament is Psalms. Yes. And then you have Song of Song. And then you have... Ecclesiastes, where you have this poetry and this this mix of of writings that is engaging mm-hmm. the person to experience, you know, these beautiful things. Right. And they used to take that a lot. Like you know more about this than I do. I'm going to pretend like I do, though. Um, so you know, in the <laughs> Old know. Testament, you, you may have one. <laughs> no. I don't know. So in the Old Testament, didn't they used to like care? give more care towards when they were writing there were like systems with like uh numbers and you know how many syllables and the way that it sounded when it was said right mm-hmm. we don't even care were, about that stuff they anymore. were very careful they were very in translations right. and the way that they would write things they were very particular yeah and it was very poetic and artful so i mean i think we've just lost that as we've lost this um, you know, objective truth. There's not, it's, it's almost when, once you say beauty is in the eye of the beholder, you, you know, minimize or reduce beauty to just anything you really anything. want. It loses its, its luster, you know, I mean, a supply and demand, right? Right. Let's talk about economics. Yeah. <laughs> something else we don't know about. Um, so, you know, you have a lot of something, it doesn't have as much worth. <sighs> I think <laughs> not like I'd know because, I, I think we should stick to theology and philosophy, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So like once you have, like if anything is, you know, going to fall into this category of beauty though, it there's nothing special about saying that you're having this beautiful experience. That's exactly yeah, right. right. And I think though it is true and many would, would affirm this idea as well. When you lose objective truth, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. then you do lose an ability to see what is beautiful. Because then you don't have any sort of measuring place to define what beauty is. And when we define beauty by who God is, then we can open up a larger view of saying, oh, the creation declares his glory right right the the creation 
we see beauty in the creation. And then we see beauty in mankind Mm -hmm. because God created man and he created woman. Mm -hmm. And then they began to create. And then we see beauty in the creations because they reflect truths. Mm -hmm. And some people may say, well, you know, how can you say something is beautiful and then someone else may argue that there's beauty in that, right? So you have that argument there. But both would agree that there's some kind of beauty there. Yes, beauty has this like almost ineffable, you know, ability to describe something to the viewer or the hearer or whatever, the audience, something that that can be known like soul to soul, but can't necessarily be put into words or be be uh, discussed in an academic paper. You know what I'm saying? It's this experience to experience type of thing instead of this thought to thought, right? So it's this difference between, you know, it's it's like when you read the word and you know God, and then when you hear a worship song and you experience God, you know, yes, kind of yes. what we talked about last time. So I do think that that is is poetic and beautiful and well yes beautiful uh and god gives us that different aspect of life which i don't think we cherish as much in like the efficiency driven society that we're in and yeah and i I think it's because we take those two extremes yeah we take those two extremes like if we experience something well wait a second where's the objective truth yeah and if we have the rules and the objective truth Mm -hmm. we say well we're absent of experience Mm -hmm. and somehow through God, we can yeah we can have balance, balance in that. Balance is key, and that's what we always go back to, yes. right? Balance is key, and if we don't have it, we're going to neglect one or and the other. The other, then there's and, the excess and deficiency that we see in the Aristotelian stuff. So that's a very important thing to mm-hmm. think about. I will say, um, circling back to the beauty situation specifically, I do like. Just to clarify, uh, a, another disclaimer, if you will, uh, we, <laughs> we have know a lot of caveats in <laughs> this one. So, you know, beauty is a very broad conversation to have, and people are going to, you know, question, well, what is beauty then? Just tell me what beauty is, and we can all pursue it together. Okay, yes, that's a hard question. That's a very hard question. Just to make, you know, it's hard to make a definition that is narrow enough to exclude things and wide enough to include everything that is beautiful, right? So in the process of doing that, what we're aiming to say is not necessarily, you know, what beauty is, but there is beauty found when it is in sync with goodness and truth. And to that, they can enlighten each other, you know? You can see how, let's circle back to one of the Let's let's do an example. Okay, so pottery. We talked about this kintsugi stuff, right? Oh, I, I love this example. Okay, so you know we have this idea that if you have a pot, of, you're making pottery, and um, it falls on the floor, you break it. It was once a beautiful vase. It held flowers. It did. It had a function. Now it doesn't. So the artist in kintsugi pottery, it's a specific f- form of pottery where they utilize gold to like put back together pots, pots and, that and are bases that were once broken. And if you look them up online, they're really, really beautiful. So you see this reclaiming of of wholeness, right? You see this 
rising back to one's, you know, function. There's the idea of brokenness to wholeness, like explicitly seen in the uh, the gold and the silver that that put the the pot back together for its original function. And it's this beautiful form of art where we're shown this abstract concept through a material thing, right? That's exactly right. And and spell that for us so that if somebody wanted to look it up. Kintsugi. K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. Kintsugi. <laughs> I wasn't in the spelling bee. And, uh, and there's and, a reason. And I wanted to say that because when you look at this art, you know, some of the things that it's going to bring to mind for the Christian is that, you know, God is the potter. Yes. That he, he creates and all these things. Mm-hmm. But when you look at this art, I think that it is true that you begin to ask the question, oh, wow, okay, this pot was once broken, mm-hmm. and somebody did not think that they ought to pick that up and, and throw, throw it away, away, which in our society, a lot we of do. times, we just pick something up and throw it away. But instead, this person said, I can make use of mm-hmm. this again. Yes. And they did it in a beautiful way. Yes. And now people buy that art Mm -hmm. and they use that art. And what does it make us think about? I mean, we contemplate these ideas of that we're broken people Mm -hmm. and God has renewed us and restored us and made us whole again. And, and he's, he's picked us up out of the Mm -hmm. pit and restored us to make us whole and to, to be useful again for his kingdom and his good and his glory. And art does that for us. And I feel like that's art. Yeah. Art explains that for us. Yeah. That's what I mean. Art art explains Uh, that for us. Helps us to conceptualize that. Jesus does that for us. Jesus does that for us though. (laughs) Yes. And I think that that's one of the hardest things to like understand as a Christian, you know, is like, all of my mistakes, like I need to atone for them. All of my, you know, I feel like I need to just like, do, like check all these legalistic boxes, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, we can't do that. You can't. First off, you can't do that. Right. Uh, only Jesus can't can. do it. Uh, you're still a human. Uh, yeah, only Jesus can do that. But they, like by seeing these art pieces, like for some reason, there's there's some type of like solace or like like refuge that I find in art where it's like that's that's what he meant by that, like. Like, I can see it now. And, like, I might not be able to explain it fully, but there's some type of hope and joy in Kintsugi pottery, <laughs> is all I'm saying, for my and, eternal and welfare. And we find hope and joy in Jesus, but what we're saying <laughs> but is, he's, is that... He's giving us this it, method, though. It, it does know? bring us this ability to see, oh, wait. Yes. This reflects yes. our relationship with who God is. Yes, exactly. So, why should we care? Why should we why care? Why should we care about art? It's, it's it's beautiful. We it's, should care about okay. art because it is lovely to look at. And yeah. the fact that God gave us this whole world and mm-hmm. even though it's fallen and we look around and we see wars and we see hurt people and and sometimes pain and suffering. look yeah. in our own lives and see pain and suffering and then we look out the window and what do we see? A pain a beautiful. and suffering. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. We're on different <laughs> wavelengths. Okay, ready? A tree, you look out your window. A tree that is blooming in the spring. Yeah. And and this is something that stands out to me, right? Yeah. Uh, in one moment, you can take your eyes and your focus and look at something, and it can create 
something or stirs something in you that points you to God. That's what I think art helps us do is it helps us to understand tangibly what was once abstract, obviously, but also interact with the emotions and imagination. So you're opening this cavity or this space in order to challenge your precedents without even, you know... I guess not you're still conscious yes but like without intentionally um challenging uh what you once knew but you're seeing something through such a different perspective because it's not your own it's whatever the painter has presented or whatever the artist has presented uh you're looking at something through you're walking a mile in someone else's shoes Mm -hmm. so like you're you're taking your focus outside of oneself and you're you're focusing on a specific scene a particular scene whether it be through lyrics whether it be through poetry whether it be through buildings okay. i mean okay architecture i mean architecture okay. yeah i mean think about the times that we have gone into buildings and we're drawn to a fountain yes, exactly or we're drawn to something specific that, that that someone has created right that moves us and we're standing there for five minutes or you're in your friend's house and you're drawn to a painting that yeah. you see hanging on the wall and you think that's special Exactly. So I think that art has this ability to take, you know, our first person experience and, you know, take ourselves outside of our self for a moment and see something different. So art offers this ability to empathize, I think, and like truly like sympathizing with people is the way in which we, you know, need to understand the world. Because if we only understand things by way of you know, our first person experience, we can develop stigmas, we can develop, you know, unfortunately, like just being around particular cultures, like you're, you're getting these taboos and these predispositions by just being around like similar people, because you're not presented with new ideas, right? You are presented with a, like, obviously new ideas, but not the, the kind that we need to understand our general reality, right? So, Art is special in that way, where it can challenge those predispositions that you've had, those precedents that maybe aren't even worthy, you know, maybe those are wrong, maybe those are, you know, by way of evil tradition, you know. Yeah, and and I know we're on our last note here, but it makes me think of the piece of literature of Harriet Beecher Stowe. Right. She writes about slavery in a book style and it gets into the community and the community changes their mind for the good because they recognize oh we were wrong for thinking that way Mm -hmm. so art can do this and help us to see more clearly when it points Mm -hmm. when we have the backdrop of god's word and be able to pursue those things Mm -hmm. in life yes so all that to say i mean we need a christian renaissance right we need our artists in our christian communities to be valued and be able to stand up and and say something you know that is special so that we can all feel this i I call it like refuge in art because god creates this this space for beauty to exist and for us to be able to contemplate in it Mm -hmm. and and find joy find peace, find, like, you feel seen. Mm-hmm. It, it's this really special experience that you can have, and it, and it doesn't take anyone else but, you know, oneself and the, the, the physical medium. And okay. so we need to enjoy, slow down, and engage in art more. Because beauty is our weapon against, I, I just say nihilism, right? Mm-hmm. This idea that we've lost meaning. 
because that's the you know that's the place that we're in that's the society that we live in is this postmodern post-christian we don't have any meaning there is no hope we are all you know plagued with anxiety plagued with depression like what do we do there's it feels like there's no hope but then you gaze at a painting or to make it broader right look out the window and see a blooming tree <laughs> right and you you find some type of peace mm-hmm. right and that's that's what art can do for us so hope this will make you think <laughs>